I mean, coached the Green Bay Packers for years. In 1961, the Green Bay Packers, the previous year, had lost the championship game. So there was no Super Bowl yet. It was the, the championship game. And they had lost to, I'm not sure who, but it was, it was close game. They barely lost. So they had all offseason to mull over why they lost and get ready for the next season. And Vince Lombardi, he walks into training camp with, I mean, these guys, this is what they did for a living. They played football. And he walked in with a football, and he said, this is a football. Now, like, these are men who they played when they were kids. They played in high school. They played in college. And that's how he started out. This is a football. And as that year, and from then on, as they went through training camp, what they would do is they would start with the basics. This is a football. And they would go through how to tackle. They would go through how to block. They would go through foot movements. They would open up the playbook and start from the beginning, not assuming anybody remembered anything from the year before. They would start from the beginning. And if you know your history, that year, the Green Bay Packers did win the championship game. And over the next few years, they won most of them, actually. They won a lot of championship games. Other coaches, there's other basketball coaches who have done things similar. There was a college coach, one of the greatest of all time, who would start his training camp with, here's how you put your socks on. And he would show them how to put your, and here's how you put your shoes on, and here's how you tie. And they would start with the basics. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to start with the basics. What is the church? And we're starting with the basics because often, just like in sports, we can run on ahead and forget the basics. Maybe you've even seen those NFL games where they're playing, they're doing all this stuff, and a, a professional football player runs up and tackles with one arm like they don't break down. I mean, simple stuff like break down and wrap up. And I, I see the mouths on the sidelines of coaches saying wrap up, wrap up. I'm like, I heard that when I was like eighth grade. They still have that. Similar to us in the church, there's just a few basics we need to know. And you may be thinking we've heard this before, and I hope you have, but we need to hear these things over and over and over until we really get them. But what are the basics of the church? We'll start. This is the Bible. This is the Bible. And this is what we base our faith on. Not really the words, but we base our faith on Jesus who is revealed in the Bible. It is here that we get to know God in the Old Testament. We get to know God through Jesus and where the apostles wrote down his words for us. So we use the Bible. And here in the New Testament, we are told about the church. Now, we're going to be in Acts 2, so go ahead and turn there. And side note, let me encourage you. Hypothetically, let's say you're in your room, it's the middle of the night, and God shows up. And he just walks into your room, and he's like, hey, I'm God. And you wake up, you're like, yep, you are. Somehow you know it's God. God's like, I have a message for you. And he starts telling you some things. What would you do? I'd probably write it down. <laughs> like, you want me to remember this? I'd probably write it down. I I'd say that to say God does meet with us when we get together. And God speaks to us through his word. So let me encourage you. When God speaks to you, write it down. And there are several ways you can do that. Bring your Bible and take notes. That's one of my favorite ways. Is I underline words that stick out. I'll make notes in the side. You can write in your Bible. That's not sacrilegious. Um, you, we have our app. You can take notes on the app and then you can actually email that to yourself. Or there's these clipboards and there's, there's spots where you can take notes and then put it in your Bible. Uh, sometimes when I've gone to other churches visiting, I take a lot of notes personally and I'll stick it in my Bible and later in the week it's kind of cool because I can open it up and go, yeah, God really spoke to me in this. So let me encourage you, if God speaks to you, write it down. We want to be doers of the word, not hearers only. But we're going to be in Acts 2. 
So turn there, but I'm going to cover a couple things before we get into this. The first one is just the word, church. What, what comes to mind when you think of church? For most Americans, when they think of church, they think of a building. They think of a steeple. They think of a place. And there's, partly there's a reason for that. Our word church is actually a really horrible translation of the Greek word church. Because the Greek word is ekklesia. And it's a combination of two words, ek, kaleho, uh, people, or to call out from. So it's people called out for God for purpose. That's what the word ekklesia means. It means a gathering of people called out for God. It doesn't mean a place. In fact, it never means a place. But our word church actually comes from a, a German and old British word, kirk. Sounds similar, church, kirk, which did mean a building. So somewhere along the way, when doing the translations, we got so used to the word church, that's what they used, and it became a place. And we lost something with that rather than a gathering of people. I mean, if, if we didn't have a place to meet, would we still be the church? Absolutely. The church is a people, not a place. So if you're a note taker, put that down. The church is a people, not a place. And here in the United States, we are so blessed with places that to a certain extent, it has warped our view of church. In, in China and in, in Asia, other places where it's illegal to be a Christian, it's illegal to gather, they gather in secret places and homes. There's something about that where they, they know that the church is a people. They know the church isn't a place because they don't even have a place. In fact, the church in general, we didn't really have buildings, places until the fourth century. If you know your history, it was Emperor Constantine, who, Emperor of Rome, who decided to be a Christian, and all of a sudden it was a cool thing to be a Christian, and so people could gather publicly. Um, and as you look at history, that, there was kind of a decline in the church spiritually after that point because it came, became easy to be a Christian. But the, Christ, the, the church is a people, not a place. We have, a, we have this booklet. They're on both back tables called uh, The Church, Cruise Ship, or Battleship. And if you want to know what the church is supposed to be and how we view the church, take this and read this. Uh, we, we put this together, but we believe this firmly, that the church is more like a battleship than a cruise ship. A cruise ship is a place to be, isn't it? You just chill. You drink your daiquiris. You go swimming. You know, you go snorkeling. It's, it's you're just there. A battleship is on mission. A battleship is going somewhere. It's doing something. And on a battleship, everybody has a role. We're going to see that as we, we go through. Everybody has a role, and everybody plays their part. Maybe you've, you've heard the, the adage that in the church, the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And in general, that's totally true. What if that happened on a battleship? We'd lose the war. They wouldn't be able to carry out their mission. That's just a silly thing to think about. But yet... When we started Common Ground and I met with some other pastors, they talked about, yeah, if we have 25% of our membership here on any Sunday, that's a good day. I said, 25%? One out of four? I said, that makes no sense. What if on a battleship, one out of four people showed up? That's not what the church is called to do. So I, I'm trying to knock down a little bit of, of the picture we have of church. I want to knock that down a little bit because a lot of it's wrong and then build it back up through what the, the Bible says about church. I recently read a book by Francis Chan, uh, and he wrote this. Now, I don't know if you know Francis Chan. He was a pastor of a mega church um, and kind of got a little bit jaded going, this isn't what the church is supposed to be. Uh, he left the country for a while doing missions work, and God called him back. And so now he is a pastor again here in the States. But he wrote this book about how should church be, and he gave us this picture 
describing, you know, how we have those conversations. Maybe you've had that down in Minden. They're having these, oh, there's a new church uh, meeting at the school and, and maybe this church versus this church and talking about churches. And Francis Chan writes this. He says, try to imagine Paul and Peter speaking like we do today. Hey, Peter, where do you go to church now? I go to the river. They have great music and I love the kids program. Cool. Can I check out your church next Sunday? I'm not getting much out of mine. Totally, I'm not going to be there next Sunday because little Matthew has soccer. But how about the week after? Sounds good. Hey, do they have a singles group? I mean, that sounds silly, two apostles talking to each other that way. But what that shows is a consumerist spirit, which in our American church, that's what we have in general, consumerism. Will this one give me what I need? Will this one give me what I need? Oh, I've had some relational falling out, so I'm not going to go there anymore. Now I'm going to, it's all about me. And it sounds a, a little bit silly, but that's where church has gotten to in many ways. So, again, Acts 2, I hope you're there. But I'm going to make one more comment before we get into it. The church is about Jesus. The church is about worshiping God. The church isn't so much about our experience, oddly enough. It's about God. It's about Jesus, which means, what is it not about? It's not about your pastor. And I point this out because this is another one of those things where in the American church, we think it's a building or we think it's a person. This holy man thing. I saw somebody recently, an old friend, and, and uh, he's like, oh, we used to go to this church, but now I go, uh, now I, he didn't even say the name of the church. Now I'm with so-and-so, John Doe. And I looked at him, he's like, you don't know John Doe? You know, and he was all about this new person he's now following. And for me, it was kind of just like this little knife of like, oh, you left here and I don't know where you are now, but you're not getting it. You're looking for a person to follow. You're lifting up an idol. Follow Jesus. Let's, let's stop. And I hear this all the time. Oh, I go to so-and-so church with so-and-so. And I've heard it about Common Ground. Oh, that's Derek's church. Because we happen to be, I'm the pastor that started the church. And so people say that's Derek's church. Well, no, it's not. Hopefully, when I get hit by a truck, nothing happens to this church, right? Because we're following Jesus, not a person. So, uh, 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read this real quick. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 5. Paul addresses this exactly, exact thing. He says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human ways? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Paul was adamant. It's not about your pastor. <laughs> it's not about who you're following. You need to be following Jesus. So what is the church to be about? Look at Acts, Acts chapter 2. Right after what I read to you where Peter taught that sermon and 3,000 people were saved. They said, what do we do? They said, be baptized. Can you picture that baptism service? That was awesome. It probably took a couple days to dunk 3,000 people. But then they started doing church life together. And we see that in Acts 2, starting in verse 42. And they devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now I want to point out something about the book of Acts. The book of Acts is describing what happened not necessarily prescribing what should happen. So don't read this and go, oh, I should go sell all my stuff and give it all away. That's not what it's saying. But it is laying out what this healthy, this church at, for a while was healthy. And what were they doing as a healthy church? And there's some principles that we can see. Here's the first thing that we see. What were they doing? Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devoted. What's that word mean? Devoted. Devoted means just what it means. Devoted. Sold out to. Gave themselves fully to. They were devoted to what? The apostles' teaching. So they, they didn't have the New Testament yet, by the way. They had the Old Testament, and they taught out of the Old Testament a lot. Jesus taught out of the Old Testament. So the apostles would teach, but some of it, it, it wasn't brand new, but it was new. It was after Jesus, and so they were teaching things that hadn't been heard before. It was, it was past the Old Testament. The Old Testament pointed to it, but they were teaching, and they were giving themselves to the teaching. Do we have their teaching now? We do. We have their teaching right here in the New Testament. Every book of the New Testament was either written by an apostle or, or it has the backing of an apostle. You know, some like uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, he traveled with Peter, so Peter was really the, the one behind that gospel. But here they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. And you see a little bit later, also to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayers. So here's your first note. The church is uniquely vertical. The church is uniquely vertical. We can get really wrapped into, I want to hear a good sermon. Uh, I hope the music is good. Do they have a good kids program, a singles group, those things. That's all consumer stuff. The church is really vertical. Our biggest prayer before we meet on Sundays is that God will show up and meet with us. We want to meet with Jesus. And so the church is uniquely vertical. It's about Jesus. Devoted, steadfastly continuing. Persist. Continue doing something with intense effort. Here's a question. They were intensely putting their effort into the apostles' teaching. How is your time in the Word? Are you devoted to God's Word, or do you wait till Sunday to hear a pastor talk about it? Reading the Word is kind of like eating. What if you ate one meal a week? You just gorged yourself on one meal a week. Would you be healthy? Absolutely not. We need to eat daily. And here in America, we eat three times a day. Do we see going to the Word the same way? The Word is life. We eat it. Jesus even said it. He said, I have food that you don't even know about. My food is to do the will of God. 
and elsewhere it talks about eating the word and digesting it, even in the Old Testament. I ate your words and they were tasty to me. It was like honeycomb, delicious. Do we eat, do we feed on God's word? So if you are feeding on God's word through the week, every day, guess what? When you come on Sunday, you're not starving, hoping God will do something awesome because you've already been listening to God all week. And then this is in addition. This is a great thing. We're called to gather to worship. But day by day, God will speak directly to you through his word what you need at that moment. So the church is uniquely vertical as we are devoted to the word. Again, you're free then to, to show up to church. You're free to serve. You're free to give rather than just to get because you've been eaten all week. As we go back to the basics here, just like this is a football, back to the basics, the Christian life is about relationships. And it's about three main relationships. And we have them on the wall over here, up, in, and out. And the first one, the, the priority is up with Jesus. But that's not all. What else were they devoted to? Same verse, 42. Apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. What does fellowship mean? Maybe you've heard the word koinonia. That's the Greek word for that. Kind of fun to say, koinonia. But when we think fellowship, we think football and wings, right? And by the way, football and wings, that is fellowship. But it's not just that. That's, that's not enough. The idea of koinonia fellowship is really shoulder to shoulder, sharing life, doing something. It's not just being together. A lot of times in church, we have potlucks. <laughs> and, and I love potlucks. They're great. But everybody brings their food and we're fellowshipping. Because we're hanging out in our holy huddle. Fellowshipping is a little more than that. It's, it's more of we share life, but we're going somewhere together. It's more like the battleship than a cruise ship. What do you do on a cruise ship? Do you hang out with everybody else on the cruise ship? Well, I wouldn't want to. I'd want everybody else to leave me alone, and me and Callie can just eat our food and do our thing. Maybe other people hang out, but you know, a little bit. A battleship, though... People are together carrying out a mission. And maybe you've been in the military, maybe you've gone on a missions trip, or you've done something with a group. What binds us with others better than, than an important mission carried out together? Nothing. I mean, people that have, that have been in battle together, they come home and they go into life. There's these connections that they have with their brothers or sisters that they can't get in other ways. It's the same with us as a church. Shoulder to shoulder, we are on mission for Jesus. It is a battle, and that binds us together. So fellowship, it is getting together for wings, but it's also doing what we did last week. I think last week was a great picture of fellowship. So I got to do uh, the pastor thing and like wander from station to station, you know, watching people work, um, while others did all the heavy lifting. So Alex was sore. I wasn't sore the next day. Um, <laughs> But it was really cool walking into the atrium at the, the school there. So they have this atrium in the middle of the school that has been just let go for years. Um, and they want to redo it. Well, there was bushes to be pulled out. There was rocks everywhere that were, you know, dug up, put in wheelbarrows, dug, and then laid out somewhere else to make that area look nice. It was awesome walking in and seeing, you know, somebody hacking out a bush and somebody else then pulling it out and somebody holding a wheelbarrow and somebody else and then talking together how to make the path go through it. That was fellowship. That was shoulder to shoulder working for God's kingdom. And then I'd go to the other area where, where Callie and others are pulling weeds and kids. Kayla did a great job. Kayla and, and where's the other? Where is she? Jessica's not in here. She's in there. Well, Kayla and Jessica, they're like, hey, we want to pull those trees out. I'm like, I don't think you're going to be able to. 
And they, look, they did it. <laughs> they had this cool too. And they, so these kids were working for God shoulder to shoulder together with adults. I mean, our youngest, Elise, was pulling weeds over there with the Fleischmans. It was so cool. And this is even better. People from the community were part of it. People from, uh, you know, there was parents of kids, people from the PTO were shoulder to shoulder working. So, I mean, that was just the church being the church. We were fellowshipping with one another, loving one another, serving the community, and bringing others into the process. It was a perfect picture of fellowship. So, the church is uniquely horizontal. We're called to love one another. They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and you have to turn there, it'll be on the screen here. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So according to these verses, what do we do? One, we get together like this. We worship. Awesome. We get together and we spur one another. Does that feel good when somebody spurs you? <laughs> Not really. We spur, we, we poke, we prod each other on to love and good deeds. How is God using you? Where can you be used? We poke and prod and, and help others be all that God wants them to be, encouraging one another. By the way, can we do this if we come to church late and we leave early? A lot of times church has become listening to the sermon or the music and it's all about me. So I sneak in late so I don't have to talk to anybody and I leave early so I don't have to talk to anybody. And I sit in my spot that I have every week and I make sure the chair next to me is empty. I'll put my Bible there so nobody sits there. It's about me. The church is us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. We can't even do this here on Sunday. This means sharing life together, which is why we're all about groups, which is why we don't have a bunch of programs because we want to be in groups. Church life happens in groups. You know, uh, Brooke and Tyler, who just got baptized, we, we get to be in group with them. And so it's a lot of fun as we're sitting there in group and we're looking at what we read that week and we're talking about life. We're sharing life together and trying to move forward. And as time goes on, friendships are, are formed in these groups so that when you have that, that 10 o'clock at night moment or that one in the morning moment, who do you call? Hopefully you've built relationships in your groups. You're like, I know these people love me and they love Jesus. We're doing life together. Um, yesterday, so if you know the Mansers, David is one of the elders here. Uh, Laura, his wife, has breast cancer. She's going to have surgery coming soon. Things are good. I mean, the prognosis is pretty good, right? But he had been trying to get the kitchen ready for her because their daughter, Monica, also has cancer. They were in Denver for a month. Well, anyway, a bunch of people showed up at their house yesterday to help clean stuff up and move stuff. To, that's the church. That's fellowship. That's koinonia. They're in need. We show up. And we do it together. The church is uniquely horizontal. Again, are we faithfully doing this as a church if one out of four people show up on a Sunday? If even one out of four are in a group doing life together, we'll never do what God wants us to do. Here's the good news. Uh, we at Common Ground, we're blessed. Our percentages are way higher. But until they're 100%, we got to grow. we got to get better. What else did they do? Up, in. Ephesians 2.10. I quoted this earlier. It says, For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
that God prepared beforehand that you would walk in them. So you're, you're part of this church. You're part of a church. Maybe you're just visiting and you're part of a church somewhere else. Awesome. You are gifted to do some things, to work for the benefit of the whole. I don't know what it is in your life. By the way, this week in groups, we're going to talk about this. So if you're not in a group, go see the info table at the end and get in one. So this week you can talk about it too. But we're going to talk about what is our gifting? How are we placed to serve God's church and the community around us? But, but we're here to make a difference. I put that in my notes. I think that's a big deal. We're saved to make a difference, not just to go to heaven. We're saved so that God could live in and through us to make a difference to the world around us. Up, in, but then out. Look at verse 47. So they were getting together. They were sharing their meals. Praising God, verse 47, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's cool. So 3,000 people, do you think they were getting together as a group of 3,000 every week? Probably not. Probably not. They were going to the temple to worship, absolutely. But most of church life was happening in homes. And so day by day, people were being saved. Where were they getting baptized? In the homes? In the street? Wherever. I mean, how cool. Picture a city like that where people are just getting baptized all over the place in homes and doing life together. That's the church. Missional as well. The church is uniquely missional. That's why we say out. You realize that the church, us, we are God's plan A to save the world, and there is no plan B. God's plan is to live through his people to reach the lost until he comes back and, and puts it all right. There is no plan B. Maybe you've heard the stories of, of people having a dream or something and meeting Jesus in a dream. Every time I've heard those stories, and I believe those stories, every time in the dream, God then sends somebody or he says, go see that person. Or there's a missionary, go see that person. God always uses his people to share the gospel. God uses his people to speak. So the church is uniquely missional. Here at Common Ground, we say that we exist to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. It's just our way of saying the Great Commission. It's our way of saying up, in, and out. We are pursuing God passionately, growing in Him, and then taking it to others and helping us others grow. The name Common Ground. Maybe you've wondered, why, why is the church called Common Ground? 1 Corinthians 9.22. And the New Living Translation says this. And this is, this is Paul writing. Paul, who is probably the greatest missionary the world has ever seen, he says this. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. That's the church being missional. That's we as a church, we want to find common ground. Perfect example. Last week, working in the atrium, working in the garden, there are other people at that school in the community, they wanted to see that happen. The common ground with them is we wanted to also. And so Callie and others got to serve shoulder to shoulder with non-believers working. Common ground. We are not called to sit in our box and wait for the church or for people to come to us. We are called to go, to seek and save the lost. Is this the church that you're experiencing? I'll tell you this. Some of us are. Some of us get to experience this. Are you experiencing it? We can't force you to. Then it wouldn't work. <laughs> but I want to put that on you. Are you experiencing 
an up relationship abiding with Jesus? Are you experiencing an in relationship? Are you in a group? Are you on a serve team? As we are growing and expanding, we need more people to serve. We need people with kids. We need people on greeting. We need people to make coffee. We are all in this together. And then are you in a group sharing life moving forward? So that's going to be your application this week. Think about that. Do you attend on the weekend? You're here now and worship well. Do you get in a group and share life? Are you on a serve team serving? And are you thinking about those that don't know Jesus yet? Praying for, seeking common ground to draw them to him. Let me pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you um, that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Thank you that it's not up to us to be creative, smart, or anything like that. Uh, God, I, I pray for everybody in this room, Holy Spirit, when Jesus, you said, come to me all who weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And elsewhere you said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God, that life, that abundant life, that rest is found as we follow you, as we spend regular time in your word and in prayer. It's found as we actually get into real relationships with other believers. And it's found as we are intentional about taking your mission out. It's not found if we just go to church. God, I pray that you would grow us individually and as a church to be what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.